0: Morning, Kevin. How are you this morning? Hi, Mike. Yeah, good. It's sunny. I've actually got shorts on. I'm kind of like, (laughs) it it feels a bit cold, but it's sunny, so I'm going to make the most of it.
1: (laughs) Very good. Brilliant. Yeah, no, it's lovely and sunny here in uh, London as well. So long may it last. Yeah, exactly. So this episode is about building communities and the indirect link to sales. And so we're going to just talk about our experiences of being in communities, creating communities, and how you make them a success, kind of why we build them, yeah, why are they so topical right now? And your views on that kind of critically, the indirect link to sales. So do you want to kick off with, because it was, I think it's amazing what you've done with the Slack group. Do you want to just like talk about that story? Yeah. And actually, I'm just thinking a an intro to that to go
0: back a step. In a previous podcast episode, we were talking about kind of being, being introverted versus extroverted. And I was saying, yeah, to me, my working style is introverted. If I would, I'm kind of more individual tasks, head down, get stuff done. But the biggest kind of weapon I have, if you like, is my network. And my network has come from publicly speaking at events, being vocal on social media, and meeting people, networking, and just putting myself out there, which I wouldn't say is kind of natural to me. But actually, in a lot of ways, that's how things have developed. And that's how I've grown a company off the back of actually kind of you build that level of trust, respect, and friendships in a lot of cases that help to turn into business opportunities. And and I think for me, I'm the first person to admit I'm not a natural salesperson. And I would much rather be kind of that educator and trusted advisor that helps people. And then at some point you draw a line and say, okay, I'm helping you a lot here. Let's turn this into something bigger and here's a contract. And I think to me, communities are a much more natural extension of that, because if you're looking at kind of like the old school sales approach, I don't think that works. It's it's very much a numbers game. So if it does work, you're blasting everyone and just seeing what comes back. For me, it's been more about, yeah, kind of that education and how do you build that level of trust and communities are a good way of doing that. And certainly over the last 12 months, that's evolved a lot more. I'd much rather have relationships face to face because i think that's where they're most powerful but we can't be choosy kind of in these times and i think online is obviously a natural extension to that anyway so it it would never be on um kind of offline events only it would be a combination of the two
1: and i think a couple of things there kevin that you've kind of mentioned trust critical educate critical and time you know the old school selling technique of it's a numbers game hit your weekly call rate and things will happen and therefore you'll sell yeah that still happens but both you and me that that's not how we play our building our businesses it's a long game you build credibility it takes time
0: yeah that would just drain me yeah (laughs) i want to build a business that i enjoy working in (laughs) yeah exactly um, that i i wouldn't last a week if a day honestly having that approach so um Again, it's like you have to pay to your strengths. So I think from the community perspective, focusing on the strengths of why you should build that up, I just think it's really powerful. And it's, it's really powerful to be that connector sometimes. I found there's a lot of value. We've ran...
1: So where did it start, Kevin? Just remind our audience, kind of, what happened? Because people look at it now and you've got how many people in the Slack group? About 450, I think. Right. So people think, wow, you know, but what they forget is you started it 12 months ago but what was the germ of the idea? Why Slack? Why the community, Yo, and how did you get it started?
0: Yeah, so the idea is kind of years in the making. It's kind of a network that I've built over time. A lot of the people in the group I've known for five years, if not 10. Okay. We've run our offline events, so kind of roundtables, breakfast discussions. And what we found off the back of that is that it's good to communicate with these people kind of in between, and it's good for them to be in touch with each other, not just necessarily us. So how do we put them together in a way that's not, like? I still think email has a place, but email is very much a one-way conversation. And I think the benefit really from a community perspective is it's a conversation and you're helping people specifically with their own challenges. So for us, it was an, an extension to the events that we were running, and when people attended our events, we added them into our group. We're also very selective. There's a lot of groups. Very important. Very important. That, yeah, but within SEO is a good example. There's a lot of groups where they've got thousands of people. If we were playing a numbers game, as in the community style way of doing what we have just talked about from a outbound sales perspective, yeah, we could have a community of 5,000 members if we really wanted. But then it's kind of everyone's there that may or may not have heard of SEO and kind of like as loosely related as possible.
1: So on that point, Kevin, I think there's something really important about the communities that I've seen that have worked. You have to have people that have kind of like around the same level of experience. You want some people slightly ahead. Yeah. You want some people slightly behind, but you all need to be in a band of you've all got experience because there's no point in you having someone in your community who is a, you know, much as we support and develop, Our young people in our businesses having someone who's 22 and no experience of seo in that community of you've got the head of seo of a big retailer the head of the seo of the big retailer is going to go much as i want to develop these people they're not helping me this community is about helping each other peer-to-peer so you have to get that experience band spot on to make it valuable to everyone
0: yeah that's right you do I, I really like I don't know who coined this, but kind of plus equals minus, and what that means What's is that? You <laughs> I'm of that equals is kind of like your your peers that you're working with at a similar level. minus is the people that are up and coming. Maybe that's where you were kind of five to ten years ago, but you can help to support them. and plus is the people that are ahead of the curve and on that journey. and I think from a community perspective, if you've got an equal weighting of people that are, are around that type of bracket. I think it works really well because yeah, you want to have the kind of environment where no question is a bad question and yeah. everyone can ask. But equally, if if it's weighted too much towards kind of, these are the uh, beginner style questions, then why would the intermediate advanced spend their time there? Because they, they want to learn as well.
1: So they leave. Well, I think this is, again, it's a critical point of the reason why I, I was really, I and mean, you know, I'm a big fan of communities in the last 12 months. I've kind of completely changed my mind about online communities, actually, which I'll talk about in a second. But people will just leave your community. The engagement level, maintaining that engagement level is so difficult. And it's so easy to lose people where if the conversation is too low level and they're not learning, they say, well, why should I participate? There's no point in me being here. Yeah, and they just become inactive
0: or, like you say, just leave. Because, yeah, I think it's a tricky one in terms of the balance, but I do think being selective is really important because otherwise uh, that helps. The other thing that we've done, that I think, I don't think we've even done this consciously, but we've built a very encouraging environment and what I find is yes. when it's public, Twitter is the perfect example of this. Twitter can be really useful and great and it's I've spent a lot of time on the past sharing content, reading others and helping other people on that, but sometimes honestly it's quite toxic and that's the sort of stuff that just from a my own headspace perspective I'd I'd rather not be involved in it too heavily and you kind of have to filter that information down and what I found has been really valuable about our own community is everyone is so encouraging we've actually never had a single problem where we've had to kick someone out or say actually this is um inappropriate yeah I I think actually uh, we've removed one post that's inappropriate and that's in two years right So, I mean, you compare that to Twitter, you see that every five seconds, obviously. So um, I think that's been really, really valuable. It's almost like our our own values of the community have been very much kind of encouragement, learning, sharing. These aren't even values that we've thought about and structured. But when I look back at that, that's what I think makes it really strong. And it's not always about the level of engagement. We want the engagement to be strong, but I'd rather the quality is there and it's in the right spirit as opposed to we're forcing people to to comment and share when it might not be
1: necessary so just talk to again people that are listening a lot of people will be like yes i want to build a community you know i I get the idea but they're faced with this kind of terror of how much time it takes talk about from the beginning of when you formed the community to where you are now 12 months later kind of what was the engagement level that you had to personally put in at the beginning versus what it is now
0: I think it's similar. I don't think we've dropped off, but purposely. I think the engagement has picked up, but we haven't dropped off on what we do. So we still source what's the most popular articles of the day. And if some days it might be, okay, we're not just going to post stuff for the sake of it. Other days it could be we've got seven pieces of content we've seen online that are worth sharing. So again, it's... And you'll share that within the community, will you? We'll share it ourselves within the community. And what we found now is the positive is it's not just us because we don't really want it just to be kind of, here's the articles that I find useful. every Exactly. Week. It's about how do we make it out about the community? So I think naturally now I've gone on to Slack a few times because I've seen something useful and I've gone to share it. And when I've logged in, I found that someone else has shared it kind of an hour ago or something. And Brilliant. that to me is great because it shows that people are firstly helping us. But secondly, they're seeing the value in our community that they want to share it with other people as well. So it helps just to make it more of a a wider discussion.
1: So I was reading about this the other week. In fact, I was talking to a guy called Jay Klaus, an online community builder at some scale. And he was talking about, you know, once you get to a certain scale of members that are invite only, so it's a select group and you're now at 400, 10% of that community, 5%, 10%, will be very active members. And the members start to become part of the unpaid managers of the community because they start to bring high-quality content to the audience. And you don't necessarily need to ask them, but you always thank them for bringing their content and being very proactive, and they help the others. I think that's that's exactly what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is. And we've found we've got channels for different sectors. So our e-commerce sector, for example, there's, there's certainly people in there that when they find an article let's say. Um, the Debenhams acquisition or something like that they're, they're going to be already sharing content around those types of topics so it definitely helps just to um yeah kind of keep everything active and I think there's stuff we've done outside of that as well because like I say we we can't do the in-person events right now but what we can do is more online events and I, I found for experience we haven't done these that frequently because I do feel like most people have enough Zoom calls in their life right now. And webinars are not that appealing. And from our perspective, what we've done is more group discussions. And we, we've done it over a lunchtime. So if, like, if people want to come and bring a sandwich or whatever, kind of, it shouldn't eat out of their day too much, no pun intended. And <laughs> I think um, what we found with those types of discussions is then people talk about their own challenges. So rather than spending 45 minutes listening to one person describe a problem, they can go to our discussion group. And because the quality is high and the level of attendees on a Zoom call, we've had anywhere between kind of five to 30 people on these calls. And typically we found the sweet spot is probably about 10 to 15. So these are like, these are virtual lunch and learn sessions, are they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. It's like the roundtables, the breakfast events we used to run, but obviously virtual and um, because it's discussion led everyone brings their own challenges everyone helps each other out and it's a good 45 to 60 minutes that you spent where someone can come away with a new idea but it's not so much a one-way conversation so we found that helps a lot as well
1: great idea now talk about the obvious thing so people listening will be like this sounds great but you know clearly they're doing it because they want to sell so talk about the obvious problem which is you know why do you start and run these, this community? And what's the indirect link to sales? So I'm very interested in your, kind of your view on this, really. I'm not saying my view is correct
0: and the only way to do things, but my style is very much attract as opposed to try to sell. So from a marketing perspective, how do we build the best, most useful community for people that are within our target audience? And if we can do that and we can help them out, then I I would like to think we're front of mind. So we're not pushy at all. I think a salesperson would look at our community and say, you're missing a trick. You should be on the phone to all of the, like speak to 10 people a week, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, we probably could. And to be honest, that would work. I'm sure it would. But I think it would alienate people as well. And I, I think from our perspective, our close rate, when people have come to us, because they like us and they like what we're doing is really strong and it's keeping us more than busy. So I, I feel like actually our model of let's just build the best community that we can and then if someone does have a brief, they know who we are and what we do. That's literally all I ask. It's if if you keep us in mind, if something comes out that's a good fit, then great. If you don't, you don't have to. And we're not going to kick you out. <laughs> it's like We're still going to carry on sharing and we appreciate that everyone that's in there so i think it's
1: absolutely critical yeah i think where i'm seeing communities go wrong is when it's a very obvious really this is a sales environment is that you know the person running it is actually acquiring potential prospects nurturing them in the community in a meaningful way but then selling that doesn't work at all i think you know i mean i'm looking at building a community for salespeople, entrepreneurs commercial leaders that negotiate deals and they're looking to work or, or to have other people in a community that they can ask questions of in a, in a safe space who are experienced negotiators. And I'm doing that because I love negotiating. I love the topic and I want to help people. And I've got to build my initial list of like 30 or 50 people and then get it started. But it's never about selling. Yes, I sell training and coaching for nego- uh, on negotiation skills. Yeah, but that's not why I'd start it. That's not how I'd run it. I'll run it as a, how can we help each other become better at what we do? That's
0: exactly it. I found rather than sales messages, I've, I've got more out of detailed replies. So if someone says I've got a challenge, if I put some effort into, this is how we faced it before, this is what we did, and then just help them. No call to action at all. Just exactly. say, this, this is what we did. Quite often, people will message me and say, actually, can we have a chat about that? That sounds like you know what you're talking about. And that's what I want to come across, where they don't feel obligated to then take that into a paid engagement. I've given them advice I'm more than happy to do without any expectation of anything in return. And if that helps them, or it may help someone else that's come across it and read it, then yeah, if it turns into business, great. But that's not the objective. And I, I feel like it's more powerful when there's not that expectation of, I'm telling you this because I want a signed contract by the end of the week. (laughs) That just doesn't feel genuine.
1: So you know that I've joined this community called SPI Pro. So a guy called Pat Flynn, who I've followed for years on his podcast. He's one of those kind of overnight heroes that it's taken 15 years to become a hero.
0: I remember hearing of him about 15 years ago when he was doing, is it Smart Passive Income? Smart
1: Passive Income, SPI.
0: Yeah. I can't say I religiously read his blog, but I've definitely come across it a few times. That's I right. do remember him back when I was doing quite a lot of affiliate work. But no, smart guy. And it sounds like he's uh, continued to, to grow well, very impressively.
1: Smart, genuine guy. And, you know, he's all about educating, giving and helping. And as he calls it, serving. And so I've joined this online community called SPI Pro which is a community platform. It's based on something called circle.so, which is one of the more kind of modern community platform. And it's been amazing. You know, I've joined Facebook communities before I'm on LinkedIn groups. It's all tumbleweed. Yeah. And part of the reason is the people that are invited and what SPI pro have done is it's an invite only. You have to pay, you know, $49 a month. I think I pay, but so you pay to be a member of the community, but it's invite only. So you have to like try and get in in the first place, and then when you do get in, you have to pay. But at forty nine dollars, it's you know for the value I get from it, I don't think I'll ever leave. And they spend a huge amount of time. We've got about five hundred and fifty members now, and it's all about online creators. And they've got community managers in there. They've got community experts in there. They're always trying to prompt the discussion. No one's ever selling. They give away free content. The user experience and the user interface. Is brilliant. It's really clear. It's easy to use. You know, and I think you know those kind of communities—your Slack community, my SPI Pro community—those are the ones that people, those are the ones that all win in the end of the day. Because we'll have rich content, we'll have great discussions, we'll have really engaged members. You know, Pat Flynn calls them super fans. You know, you've got in Slack, you've got a community of super fans that all love the fact that you have brought this community together. Are great admirers of the work that you do and that their peers do within the community. And that community will carry on, and it will have a life of its own.
0: It does, and I love that. One of the things that I find really beneficial, that you don't always know from some of this, but I remember when we ran a breakfast event, we had Barclays and the FTLA. and during the discussion, they were just like, we really need to talk. I think it's to do with like syndicated content, but something that was mutually beneficial to them. And that was great, because we're like the middleman and introducer, of yes. two other people that helps them. And it doesn't matter to me if we do business with either of them, but if we're we're helping people, and that's there's real value there. One of the things I found valuable in Slack is we get engagement emails quite a lot that tell us this is how much engagement has happened on the platform week by week so that you can see which new members are joining, which have maybe dropped off and become inactive, to be honest, I don't really look at the individuals. I fe- feel like if you look at individual names, a bit like who's unsubscribed to your email list, exactly. you're not getting hung up about it. It's better just not to know. Why have
1: they unsubscribed? Why have they left? What's been yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, you're not really going <laughs> to
0: change anything. So no. just, as long as you can learn from the trends, I think that's fine. You look at the, the trends. The thing yeah. I find interesting from Slack is they tell you how many direct messages have sent on the platform. And we've had weeks where there's been thousands. And I'm kind of like, wow, I think I've sent about four this week. Uh, Why are there like 900? (laughs) That's, That's crazy. And to me, it's like, we don't know for privacy reasons, Slack will not share that with us. And again, it's like, we don't really want to know. We just want to build a community where people are engaging and finding it useful outside of us. So if there's a lot of direct messages happening between people on that platform, and we're connecting them and bringing them You're together. You're doing something right. That's really powerful. And we've had a lot of people that when we send a weekly recap email have responded because we normally send it kind of just from my email address. Uh, they'll quite often respond and just say, thank you for putting this together. And like, people do appreciate it. Sometimes they tell you about it. Sometimes they appreciate it and they don't tell you about it. or they, they You might find out months or years later. And But I, I think it's... It's understanding those kind of signs and signals that indicate there's a quality audience behind here and they're, they're appreciating it. And in general, I guess it's the, they're voting with their feet in the sense of if they didn't want to be there, then they, they wouldn't be.
1: Why would they waste their time? These are busy people. I mean, let's if remember who these people they're are. Exactly. You know, in your community, it's heads of SEO, it's heads of content, it's heads of digital PR. In I mean, some of these brands are huge. Yeah, you know, these people are not going to waste their time online in a community if they're getting no the value from it. They just won't.
0: Yeah, and I, I do think the, the walled garden aspects of it. I get that Facebook and LinkedIn you can have private groups. LinkedIn seems non-existent now. I don't even know if that does still exist. Maybe it does, but I don't. I don't see that at all anymore. But I think having kind of that separate space, maybe outside of social media, does seem quite powerful. Do you want to explain maybe the differences you see in the SPI Pro kind of environment and what generates engagement? Because are there any types of posts in particular that if there's someone here that runs a community, what should they be doing that just helps to keep that engagement high and high quality?
1: Yeah, so there's like two or three things. So we've got a few minutes left. I'll close on the two or three things and then we'll do a bit of a summary. The things that get the most interest and traction on SPI Pro are... Someone's got a problem. So for example, they're launching an online course. So remember that we're all online creators. So we're all creating online courses. We're doing podcasts. We're doing eBooks, all sorts of stuff. Someone will say, I'm about to launch an online course. Uh, It'd be great if you could do a bit of a peer review. You'd be amazed how many people go, yeah, yeah, sure. And they look at the course or they look at a couple of modules. They look at the sales page and they'll give feedback on it. So that giving, if you ask, you get an awful lot back from the community because people are very genuine. And they know that when they ask, they'll get the same back. So that's kind of one thing. Um, really interesting thing is we have this kind of you know, wins of the week. So what did you do? What did you succeed in this week? What did you achieve this week? And it's this kind of public accountability thing within a private community. So you've got the same thing, it's a private community, not open, it's private and they encourage you to share your wins of the week. Yeah, I like that. That's good. And then people, it's funny, on a Friday you sit down and go, huh, what have I achieved this week? Um... <laughs> yeah. And then you write it out and you go, actually, yeah, I did achieve quite a lot this week. And then people will comment on it. So that's really interesting. So that's, that, that again gets a lot of engagement. And the third thing is we have, you probably have the same in Slack, we have these kind of subgroups and you can join subgroups. So in yours, you've got an e-commerce subgroup. So in ours, we've got online communities, we've got SEO, we've got all sorts of different sub-communities. And those, again, those specialist, super-niche communities where they've got particular problems, like, for example, email marketing. You know, if you want to know about email marketing, join that community. And if you ask someone in that community, someone will be an expert that can help you out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think you do outgrow the main channel. I think one thing we did that, I'm glad we did it this way, is we had one general channel as a mainstream. And once that started to get too busy, we ended up splitting it into multiple channels. And I think starting with multiple channels, it can be a bit of a ghost town. And we have got some channels that, to be honest, are not that active. But if you, yeah, kind of get busy and then find a need to split out, then it means that people can go into those smaller groups and it's more niche. and Exactly. I think that works quite well. So yeah, you kind of start with building up that engagement and then, yeah, kind of once it gets too much noise, that that's the key thing. And I think those are really important. I think that noise to signal ratio in terms of like, you're keeping the quality high yes. is absolutely vital. In terms of the three things, I just wrote them down. Number one, be genuine. Number two, be helpful. Number three, keep learning. <laughs> if you're Brilliant. doing that, I feel like, actually good things will come your way because you're not trying to force it. If you're helpful and you're nice to people, I think as a general rule, as a human, people will be nice back to you. The opposite is also true. So try to avoid that.
1: Exactly.
0: And I think
1: that's brilliant. we're all Kevin.
0: lifelong learners. If we exactly. can keep learning what we're doing, if you learn from something from it, you're probably more likely to be active. And if you're learning, yeah. chances are you're helping someone else who's also learning with the same problem. So
1: so the only two things I'd add, I mean, I, that's a brilliant summary. <laughs> the only thing, two things I would add are, I think, niche. So, yeah, make sure that you focus on a, a niche or a, a niche within a niche so that you've got these kind of like-minded people. And I think what we both said is make it a private invite-only community. Yeah, definitely. And make sure that when you're inviting people in, they're going to benefit and the members that are already there are going to benefit from this person joining so yeah. that it's two-way benefit I think that's key. As Pat Flynn,
0: I think, was the person that came out with the inch-wide mile deep kind of that's years right. ago in terms of find that niche within a niche, and that's where you can really nail it. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's always been really good advice.
1: Brilliant, Kevin, again, really enjoyable episode. Hopefully our audience has got some picked up some lessons from there, they're looking at building audiences. So uh, yeah, great look forward to next week. Okay brilliant likewise thanks Cheers. bye thanks bye